Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. That's right. It is the Sunday morning service. College football week 12 reaction and recap. And a lot happened yesterday. It was quite an interesting day, of course. Uh, I believe, uh, let's see, Brian Fimo, if I say it right, uh, bcftoys.com. Go and check it out. He tweeted out this morning that uh, that this is the most uh, double-digit underdogs that have won outright since 2007. That's where this has been. I remember 2007. I'm your host, Gary Seegers, at GaryWCE on Twitter is where you can find me, although I'm certain that all of you that are watching this right now or listening probably already know that. Uh, It was a fun, fun day of football, Uh, and I think it got more fun as we got into the evening when the upsets actually started happening, right? You had Georgia Tech knocking off North Carolina. You had South Carolina knocking off Florida. We'll talk about all of the, not not Florida, excuse me, Tennessee. We, We will discuss all of that. I want to start off and tell you, first off, that the show is brought to you by BetUS. It's America's premier online sports book. They are fantastic. And not just because I do the college football show for them. Uh, I've been gambling with them for like 20 years. And so I would highly recommend that you go and check them out, BetUS.com. Uh, and there is a link in the description, or at least there will be. I don't know if there is right now. Uh, you can go look at the other picks and predictions uh, videos. And there's a link in there where you can get a $50 free play just for signing up. You don't even have to deposit. So... Go and check that out. Uh, it is a it's a good deal. It's a good deal. So I like what they're doing right now. Um, so yes, the show is brought to you by BetUS. I host the BetUS College Football Show. It's every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Although I will tell you, for Thanksgiving week, it's only going to be a Tuesday show, and it's just going to be a longer stream. Uh, we're going to go ahead and knock out as many games as humanly possible on Tuesday. So make sure that you are subscribed over there. We have over 11,000 subscribers we would like to get even more as we head into bowl season. We are headed into rivalry week. All these good things. I want to first bring to your attention something that I tweeted last night at about 1.30 a.m. Central Time. Let's go and pull it up on the screen here. As you can see, this is what the tweet says. These are the games that I wrote down last Sunday night when I started diving into games for the week. All of those games went 11-5. and five. The ones that I felt best about for the BetUS College Football Show went 2-3. and three. And then I said, this is like four straight weeks of this crap. 
You can see the ones that I have highlighted in green. And it, please excuse the chicken scratch because that is literally what that is. I'm just writing down games very quickly as I get through, and it is just scratch. But I went back through because I, I've done this a few weeks now, and it is insane what is happening. It's just nuts. So the ones that I put out on the BetUS show went two and three. All of the other ones went nine and two. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Uh, and I didn't put those out because I, I did not like some of the matchups in those. And I didn't understand why the numbers were pointing the direction that they were. But that's that's what happens. So I've got to pay more attention to it. What I'm probably going to do this time is I'm going to give out like the, the games that I find this afternoon when the Lions actually come out. I'm just going to give them out after we do the BetUS show. Like I'll give you the plays that I am actually playing the ones that I actually have my money on, and then I'll just give you what I write down. And we'll just figure it out from there. Because, I mean, I I got no idea at this point. I feel like I'm just throwing darts at a dartboard. Like, I'm just trying to figure out which ones are actually going to hit. But these are the ones that the numbers really liked. Uh, and yet, I picked the wrong ones. Just a, a complete and utter debacle. All right. Let's talk about this right quick. Uh, we have got... We got some conference championship stuff uh, done up. And I believe USC has wrapped up their Pac-12 uh, invite, uh, whatever, to the conference title game. UTSA has wrapped up theirs for Conference USA. TCU wrapped up theirs. Uh, Toledo has wrapped up theirs. I think we're still waiting on the East champion for that one. Um, Coastal Carolina, we are still waiting to see if Troy loses this week, then South Alabama could go with a win. Otherwise, if Troy wins, they are in against Coastal. Uh, the American Championship, nothing is confirmed yet. And that's where things get a little bit screwy, right? The American is, it might be Tuesday evening before we know who's actually going to be in the AAC title game. The winner of Tulane Cincinnati is going to be there, and they're going to host. The loser might still be in, but it would depend on the college football playoff ranking. I have never seen anything like that in my life where we would have to wait until Tuesday night to figure out who was actually playing in a game on Saturday morning. No idea. No idea what they're going to do with this. Uh, LSU Georgia already figured out. Boise State and Fresno for the Mountain West has already been figured out. Clemson, North Carolina has already figured out. And the Big Ten, if Iowa beats Nebraska this week, Iowa will represent the West, and the winner of Michigan-Ohio State will be in the East. So that is the way that this thing is going. It is mind-boggling, but it is what it is. So, uh, you know, not not too shabby. Not too shabby. I, I like the matchups that we have for the conference titles this year. Now, let's dive into the games. We're going to go a little bit rapid-fire format. I'm not going to pull up all of the uh, different, you know, uh, pages and whatnot, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to put on a little mood music. No, we're not. I put the wrong stuff in. We'll, we'll do some here in a little bit. Uh, Scotty jumps in, watching the start of the World Cup while watching your show, and he leans on the cup. Not a thing. I have not had time to even dive into it. Uh, I'm probably going to be diving into it just a little bit uh, once I get the games done for tonight. So so we'll see what happens. Uh, college football is it, it's mayhem. It's mayhem. I've I got too much going on with this, and college basketball has started. So there you go. All right, let's go with the first game. First game on the board and you guys know which one we're going with. 
South Carolina, 63. Tennessee, 38. South Carolina put up 35 points in the first half. Uh, let me let me read off what I wrote down here. Um, I say Beamer Ball has attitude, and that is the the biggest part of this, right? Like it, the reason why they were able to get that win is because they were confident that they could get that done. Now, again, I, let me point out that there is something to uh, home field advantage for some of these bigger games. Like it, it just felt different in Williams Bryce Stadium last night. Uh, South Carolina scored a touchdown on their first five drives. They took a 35-24 to lead into halftime. Tennessee got it to within four, you know, 35-31 early in the third quarter. South Carolina went nine plays, 65 yards for a touchdown, and then went 11 plays at 75 yards for a touchdown to go up 49-31. to uh, to 31. And then Hendon Hooker gets hurt. So this was not, like, if you if you just looked at this from a box score perspective and were like, Oh, okay. So Hendon Hooker went out, and in South Carolina kind of took over. No, this thing was an 18-point lead when Hooker actually went out. Um, and so Hooker actually fumbled on the play where he got hurt. South Carolina scored on a 17-yard drive, and that was all she wrote. 606 total yards for South Carolina. Spencer Rattler. This is the South Carolina that I thought that I was going to get, or that we were going to get all season. This is the one. Like I, I didn't know, I didn't think they would be this perfect, right? Where they're just scoring on like ninety percent of their drives, uh, and every score that they get is a touchdown. I did not expect that, but I expected like a competent offensive effort, and not to get run over on defense, right? Like it, the fact that this is the same South Carolina team that just went to Florida and got whipped forty to six is insane. There's no reason. Why we can't have any level of consistency in this sport. And yet, regardless, we get this done every single week. Um, they This was a perfect performance by South Carolina's offense. The Tennessee defense was just roasted. Uh, Scotty said, how does Tennessee come back from this? Well, you go out and you beat Vanderbilt next week. Uh, but that's easier said than done, especially without Hendon Hooker, uh, which I would imagine he is not going to play next week. But who knows at this point? You You look at... Uh, the numbers here. Tennessee still put up 500 yards total offense, 355 passing. They ran for 152 yards. Like, they ran for 5.4 yards per carry on 28 attempts. It is insane. Like, <laughs> it's insane. Uh, Zone 6 jumps in. He said, uh, Tennessee secondary is terrible. I thought they were improving. I, I think that they were not improving. They were just playing against competition that could not take advantage of them. And South Carolina has got some dudes. And when Spencer Rattler is on, like, again, the whole consistency thing, when he's on, he is really good. When he's off, uh, he can be really bad. He can be really, really bad. So, uh, Hooker's numbers on the night, by the way. Uh, 25 out of 42, 247 yards, three touchdowns. Like, typically, that'd be pretty good. Uh, but... Was not good enough for tonight. I will say that. Was not good enough for tonight. Moving along. Ay, ay, ay. What a what a fantastic ball game to wake up to yesterday. TCU 29, Baylor 28. Man alive. Let me uh let me go in and pull it up. Let me show you what we're working with. So Max Duggan, 24 out of 35, 327 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Max Duggan was the leading rusher for Baylor, or excuse me, for TCU. Uh, Baylor uh, 
so Reese had 10 carries for 56 yards. Uh, Williams, you know, Craig Williams had 19 carries for uh, 112 yards. Blake Shapin was pretty good. 21 out of 30, 269 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Now, here is what I put down. I said, Baylor's missed a 46-yard field goal early really hurt, and it looked like TCU's missed point-after attempt in the third quarter was going to sting them. But that fire drill field goal at the end of the ballgame sent the Fort Worth Frogs into a frenzy. <laughs> I feel like I was writing for, for an old newspaper. Uh, Dave Aranda did slow down TCU's uh, rushing attack. I mean, it, Kendra Miller, 10 carries, 41 yards. Like, that's that's not typical for him. Um, but, you know, Max Duggan took up the slack. It got eight carries for 50 yards here. And this was just a knockdown, drag-out fight. That, that's what this was. Like, Baylor went at them early. And, and then eventually got shut down. But uh, you see what they were doing in that first half. Uh, 11 plays, 76 yards, touchdown. Uh, eight plays, 45 yards, missed field goal. A nine-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown. And then the next drive, 11 plays, 37 yards, and they turn the ball over on downs. The next drive, 11 plays, 78 yards, or 76 yards, and they threw an interception. Like, TCU dodged bullet after bullet after bullet in that first half, and then were able to keep it just close enough to where in the fourth quarter they could come down and score on a 90-yard touchdown drive, miss the two-point conversion, and then get the ball back with, what, a minute 34 left? And find a way to kick that field goal. That was awesome. And to do it in your rival's house. And I understand that the Texas win was big. To be able to to get emotionally back up for this game. And I know that, like, yeah, it's two rivalries. Uh, it's another road game, etc. But to be able to do it two weeks in a row where things are not exactly going your way on offense, that is incredibly impressive. Incredibly impressive. I I hope that Sonny Dyke sticks around there for a while because I'm hearing his name start to pop up with some of these other jobs that are open and other jobs that may be coming open, and I do not want him to leave at TCU. I just don't. Like I think that he fits really, really well there, and, and those TCU fans have wanted somebody that is fun and exciting, etc. It's not that Gary Patterson was a bad coach. It's just that the game has adapted. And he did not adapt with it. So, I I hope that he sticks around. Baylor put everything they had into this one. Uh, speaking of another name who's thrown around for some of these search, uh, searches, you know, Dave Aranda. They did everything they could in this one. And we're not able to get it done. Baylor now 6-5. and five. Uh, You lose a bunch of dudes to the NFL, etc., or, or to graduation. And, yeah, you're going to have a step back if you're a program like Baylor, right? They they don't replenish the the cupboard quite as well. This is still a develop uh, excuse me a developmental program. So I'm I'm curious to see what uh, what they're going to end up doing going forward. But yeah, this one was awesome. This was a fun game. I was excited about it. Cheers to TCU for getting that thing done. Moving along, Michigan 19, Illinois 17, and this one was goofy. I mean, the, the referees in this game were a disaster. Uh, and that's not to say that Michigan, like, didn't deserve to win the ball game um, because there was some crazy stuff just all over the field. But it did seem to slant a little bit towards Michigan, uh, some of the calls. And if you look at 
Uh, we're going to pull this thing up. If you look at the uh, the actual penalties here, you know, it was not crazy. Like, Illinois had four penalties for 40 yards, Michigan four for 25. But the issue was, like, some of the non-calls and some of the stuff that they were able to get away with, right? This this was not... Uh, this, this was strange for Michigan, and absolutely, it's a look-ahead spot, et cetera. We get that with Michigan. Harbaugh, you know, Blake Corum going out, in, what, second quarter, and then was able to come back in and, and actually rush. He, he got over 100 yards. Here, we're going to put it back up on the screen. Uh, but, yeah, he got 108 yards. He did run for a touchdown. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, yeesh. Uh, there, there were some bad spots where they really needed him to be good. His QBR was 46.7. Uh, 18 out of 34, 208 yards. Uh, he did run seven times for 18 yards, but man, this was not a great overall game. Uh, Chase Brown looked like he was going to be the hero. 29 carries, 140 yards, two touchdowns, and that's after tweaking an ankle last week where it looked like he was going to be, you know, eh, somewhat questionable. Like He just went out and powered through this thing. Um, that clear miss on the offensive pass interference on a pick play on fourth and three with less than a minute left, like, that was awful. Just awful. Uh, Blake Corum, like I, I mentioned before, him going out before the half, I'm curious if he's going to feel that more this week. Like, is he going to be questionable going into Ohio State? Uh, I would imagine he'll be ready. If Chase Brown was able to come back this week, Corum is probably going to be fine going into next week. Uh, Michigan, the way that they won this game was insane to me. Three field goals in the fourth quarter, um, all of the drives finished inside of the Illinois 25-yard line. So, like, the, the here's the crazy part. Michigan had seven scoring attempts on the day and finished with 19 points. Like, they had one touchdown, four field goals, one fumble, and one turnover on downs. They got inside the Illinois 40 seven times and only came away with 19 points. Like, the Illinois defense had a lot to do with that, I understand. But if you're Michigan... You're hoping that you are crisp going into the Ohio State game. And we're going to talk about Ohio State in just a minute because it's not like they were great either. But regardless, uh, Zone 6 said Michigan without uh, Corum and Edwards isn't great. It's true. Uh, it's very true. Um, you know, like, Stokes was fine, I guess. Like, it, I just, this team relies so heavily on the running backs. And I never would have imagined in 2000. And 22, that we would be in a position where a team would only go as far as their running backs, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's that's insane. Scotty says uh, Michigan soft schedule has done them no favors. I I don't know that it's necessarily prepared them for like tough ball games, which sounds insane looking at who they've played. But I don't think that they're like fully prepped for a game like Illinois. Uh, you know, Illinois was coming with fight. Brett Bielema was fired up after that game. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so this was a, a weird one, but hey, uh, Michigan got it done when they needed to. Like at, at the end of the day, it's not like uh, it's not like the refs can go out and kick the field goal for you. You know, you got to be able to get that, and they, you got to drive down the field. So they had to make plays to get the win, and they did. Cheers to Illinois though for putting up a fight. That was a that was a heck of a ball game. Moving along, Ohio State. 43, Maryland, 30. This one was closer than I expected. I will admit that freely. I will tell you right off the bat, I was shocked at this one. 
Uh, this game was 13-10 to Maryland at the end of the first half. Uh, looking at the final score, you would think that Ohio State like finally got things figured out. Uh, they were able to get a little bit of margin, etc. Like, no, that is not the case. They they absolutely did in the third quarter, but Maryland came back and put up 17 points in the fourth quarter. Like, that's awesome. I, I was I was very impressed with what Mike Loxley was doing. Um, that final touchdown was a scoop and score for Ohio State, and that's what gave you the end margin of this game. We'll, uh, we'll toss this thing up here. Ohio State had 26 first downs to Maryland's 22. Hey, Maryland outgained Ohio State by a yard, which is kind of surprising. Um, Maryland didn't, you know, they did they did try and rush to keep the defense honest, et cetera, 31 rushes for 84 yards. But it, Talia's numbers in this, looking at the box score, 26 out of 36, 293 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. Like, he did have the fumble at the end of the game where he was injured. But this was a really good effort by Maryland. I was I was a little bit shocked. Um, Maryland had the ball at their own 42-yard line with six minutes and 20 seconds left. They were only down by three, and they went three and out. That was their missed opportunity, right? It was 33-30. to 30. They had a shot right there. Uh, the Ohio State defense showed up when they had to, and it, that's kind of, you know, they didn't do the exact same things that they did against Penn State, but this was, you know, this was the spot where the defense had to show up again, and they did it again. This was uh, this was a good game. Maryland is uh, is six and five, um, and this is a good team. Man, their defense has been a lot better than I think any of us would have anticipated. And they are they are really good, really really good. All right, the next one on the docket: the game from last night. Finished uh, kind of late, not as late as Oregon and uh, in Utah, but regardless. Uh, oh, it's zone six jumps in. Uh, Talia is a baller, and if uh, if he's on, he plays games like this. Yeah, that's kind of the same thing as Spencer Rattler, right? Like where when he's on, you are in trouble, trouble. All right, USC forty eight, UCLA forty five. Let's talk about this one right quick. Uh, this was a salty, salty contest. Uh, Caleb Williams in this ball game was just, he was fired up. And trying to get stops in this game almost seemed impossible, right? It just, it felt felt very strange. Um, let's go on and pull up. Da, 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 da. Here, we'll just do the box score right quick. You can see that on the screen as I'm trying to roll through here. Um, UCLA finally got a stop with just over two minutes left, but... Corey Foreman, of course, everybody remembers him, former number one overall uh, recruit at 247. That was, uh, he was supposed to go to Clemson. He was committed there. And then he chose not to go to Clemson and instead stayed home at USC. This was during all the pandemic stuff, right? He picked off a pass. This is a defensive lineman that picked off a pass. And he's, you know, edge rusher, whatever. But not normally known for intercepting the ball. And here you go. Uh, He picked off DTR. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, there was a lot of emotion from both sides in this ballgame. A lot of talk, just back and forth. Caleb Williams had a lot to say at UCLA defenders after DTR's third interception. Like, once the game was pretty much wrapped up, then he started really getting after it, and he did the whole head movements, and yeah, boy, you know, all this kind of mess, and I, I was, whatever. I get where he's coming from. I understand it, but that, that part was for the birds for me. 
Uh, UCLA had four turnovers. They were all killers. You can't turn the ball over. You scored 45 points, and you had four turnovers. Imagine how many points you'd have put on the board if you didn't turn the balls over. Um, Things really started out great for UCLA in this. They got out to a 21-10 lead. USC, in their first three drives, they turned the ball over on downs. They missed a field goal on the second drive, and then they threw an interception on the third drive. I mean, UCLA was not able to fully take advantage of any of it. Like, they did get out to a 21-10 lead, uh, but you see how this game ended. I mean, it's 48-45. to Like, this was, uh, this was not what I expected from UCLA. I mean, they have not... They haven't exactly been turnover-prone this year, um, but there's just something about USC and being able to get turnovers, right? Like, it's, it's really shocking to me that... I mean, they're still number one in turnover margin. Uh, They have the most takeaways in the country, and they have the least giveaways. I think they've only turned the ball over like four times now. I mean, it's it's stupid. None of this is sustainable. Uh, (laughs) Scott, he said, of course, I had USC uh, minus half a point in the first half. Uh, Yeah, 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 you missed that one. Um, And a lot of that has to do with those first three drives. You know, turnover on downs, an interception, a missed field goal, like all these different things. It's... this game was almost impossible to try and handicap because you can't predict turnovers. Uh, but I guess USC is making it where maybe you can. Uh, it's just nuts. Like I'm, I think the Pac-12 wanted this. Like they are, they stand to make more money if USC makes it into the playoff. And USC did secure their spot in the Pac-12 title game, but now they got to go beat Notre Dame, right? And it's going to be at the Coliseum, and we'll see what happens. This should be a fun, fun weekend of ball games. But you got to get past that one. And then you got to beat either Oregon or, I mean, there's there's a number of different ways this could go, right? Washington could still get in if Oregon State beats Oregon. Like there's, a, there's a lot of different ways that this could happen. So we'll see. We, we might talk about it all at the, uh, at the end. But regardless, uh, we're going to knock this out. And then on the other side, we're going to hit on Oregon and Utah. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back. BetUSTV has you covered every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. We've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff. Only on the BetUSTV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit betustv.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, back to the show. All right. Oregon 20, Utah 17. Yep, hold on before we do that. Let me tell you about Valtimary Surf Company. Absolutely fantastic, guys. They are a clothing apparel line. You can get 10% off of your order over there if you use the promo code GARY10. That's G-A-R-Y-1-0. Go and check them out. There is a link in the description. It is a college town uh, clothing apparel line, and they are awesome. Like, I've got two of the shirts. I've got a red one, or a crimson one, and a white one. Uh, It's the Tuscaloosa Surf Company. Go and check them out. Uh, Fantastic stuff. Just do yourself a favor. I'm telling you, I love the shirts. The material is super comfortable. I like them quite a bit. So go and and check them out. Give them a visit. All right. Now, Oregon 20, Utah 17. And Bo Nix was dealing in the first half. He was absolutely dealing. And the reason why I did not give out this game on the BetUS College Football Show is because... I had conflicting reports, uh, <laughs> to say the least. I had people in one ear telling me that Bo Nix is not going to play. There's offensive linemen talking about, like, he's he's a no-go. There's no chance he's playing, whatever. And then there were other people saying, yeah, like, he's, he's a little hurt. He's a little dinged up, but, like, he's going to go. Like, are you serious? It's a senior year. It's senior night. Like, of course he's going to play. Like, this is basically to get to the Pac-12 championship game He's going to play. So I'm going back and forth because this team, like Ty Thompson, has not gotten any reps. Who knows what to make of this? But, man, they come out and they are up 17-3 at the half. And I'm watching this game just going, I cannot believe it. And And I did personally bet Oregon minus 2.5 when it came out on Sunday night. But I didn't give it out on the show, and that's what I really like keep track of because... Like it's, that's my job. That's what I do. I give out the picks to you guys. But I didn't feel confident enough by the time we got to the game on Wednesday. So, uh, regardless, Bo Nix came out and was dealing. Just dealing. And then you get out of halftime, and, you know, the Ducks are up 17-3. to You're thinking, all right, Autzen, late. This one's going to be rough for Utah to be able to get back in this thing. 
and Oregon hands them that fumble. Hands it to them. Like, it's it, one play, and Utah returns it for 11 yards. Kareen Reed is the guy that returned the... Here, let me pull it up on the screen here. They gave Utah seven points because they ran Ty Thompson out there, and rather than getting him just acclimated to playing, and I don't know if it was like the ankle stiffened up for Bo Nix or what, but if they... If they had just handed the ball off, I don't think you run into this problem. But then that immediately puts more pressure on Oregon, so Bo Nix has to come back out there, and he doesn't look great on the next drive. They go three and out. Uh, The thing that saved them really was Oregon's defense, which how in the world could you possibly know what to expect from Oregon's defense? They've been bad. And and the same can be said for Utah's defense. This is not a great defense. Um, but they, you know, Utah came out, got the ball down 17 to 10, and immediately turnover. But then Bonex didn't look great again. Three plays, negative six yards, and a punt. Three and out. And then Utah goes right down the field, 12 plays, 88 yards, and scores and ties the game at 17. Like this was bonkers. But then it got really crazy because Oregon did manage to go down the field and kick a field goal towards the end of the third quarter. And yeah. Here is how the rest of the game went in the fourth quarter. Which between these two, like you would expect that the defense was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you, the defenses were going to give up points, right? You you almost might would have thought that this was a USC and UCLA type of game if you just looked at the advanced numbers. But instead, what you got was a twenty to seventeen game. Uh, as as we're you know early early in the fourth quarter is when Oregon kicked that field goal. But these are the drives after that field goal. You had Utah drive down the field, 11 plays, 49 yards, turnover on downs. Then you had Oregon, three plays, 50 yards, and an interception. So Utah gets the ball back. Four plays, 22 yards, and Utah throws an interception back to Oregon. Oregon goes three and out, has to punt. Utah, six plays, 26 yards, and turnover on downs. Like, <laughs> this, it was a defensive game in Eugene. I never would have imagined this. Like, I did. The trick play just... Oregon never should have been in that position. They really shouldn't. That trick play was an awful call. Awful decision. Um, but hey, what are you going to do? They they found a way to get the win. Cheers to them. They are now 9-2. and two. Bo Nix goes out with a win. But now... Now they got to go to Corvallis. We'll see what that means. Of course, Oregon State has been looking absolutely fantastic. Uh, we're not going to hit on their game today. But man... Uh, that team's really good. Jonathan Smith is a uh, heck of a coach. So I hope that Dan Lanning and company, Kenny Dillingham, are ready to go again because that makes Washington, uh, Utah, and Oregon State in back-to-back-to-back weeks. And then maybe you get to go play against USC in the Pac-12 title game. All right. Next game on the board, we've got, and these are not going to take as long. The other ones were the ones that, that really took the most time. Georgia 16 and Kentucky 6. This one was only surprising in that it was only a 10-point margin, but this is how Kirby Smart would like to play, right? Um, we'll roll through the the game-ending stuff. Georgia ran the ball 46 times for 5.4 yards per rush. Uh, they only threw it 19 times. Stetson was, uh, was 13 out of 19 in this game. Uh, both teams had one turnover. Uh, Georgia got into the Kentucky red zone on their first three drives. They had to settle for field goals. Uh, when they like they threw a pick, they were up nine, uh, nine to nothing on the first drive of the second half, 
and it kind of started to remind you of the Missouri game a little bit because they weren't putting Kentucky away. And if Kentucky had been able to do just about anything after that interception, then, yeah, that, that would have been something. But they, they went three and out, and immediately Georgia comes back down the field. Uh, they score a touchdown. It's 16 to nothing, and there's no way that Kentucky was scoring 16 points. Now, I say that, and at the same time, Georgia comes back down the field again after another three and out from Kentucky, and Georgia uh, goes for it on the Kentucky one. They, they So they had first and goal at the eight, second goal at the five, third and goal at the one, and then fourth and goal at the one, And which, by the way, I, I can't believe that Milton played in this game. Um, but I guess it is what it is. It, Kentucky never capitalized. Like, Kentucky didn't score a touchdown until there was less than 10 minutes left in the game. Uh, they missed a 38-yard field goal with, like, four minutes left in the game. This was... Kentucky never had a shot in this one. And Georgia basically just sat on them. They they got a big enough lead. Uh, I mean, you got a two-score lead. <laughs> Bennett's pick was an awful throw. Here's the Here's my thought on that pick, right? I think that that one was actually on McConkey. Like I think that I think it was the wrong route run. And but it's going to look bad for Stetson, right? Now Stetson still has to be aware, but if this is based on timing and where you expect the receiver to be, I, we'll see. Like I that's I, I think that there's more blame to go around than just bend it through a bad ball. Um but regardless, regardless, he did throw the he did throw the pick. I don't think that Georgia cares about anything until they get to Atlanta. And and by Atlanta, I don't mean (laughs) Georgia Tech. I mean, they don't care about anything until they get to the LSU game. And then they'll be fired up to play again, and and we'll see their wrath the same way that you saw it against Tennessee, et cetera. They'll do crazy things. Um, Scotty said, yeah, it was double coverage. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Like, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I don't think that, I don't think Bennett's bad. I'll just say that. I think it was just a, it was not a great spot for him. All right, let's uh, let's move along. Speaking of Atlanta, let's talk about Georgia Tech right quick. Um, Georgia Tech 21, North Carolina 17. And if you saw this one coming, I would love to hear from you because Georgia Tech's offense had been terrible with Gibson at quarterback. I mean, absolutely awful. So there was no way that I was going to bet on Georgia Tech. And yet, Gibson comes in, and I'll go on and pull up the box score here. Uh, Gibson, who is a, a transfer from Akron, he comes in and goes 13 out of 18 for 174 yards. Uh, the fourth-string quarterback comes in and runs the ball 10 times for 44 yards and a touchdown. They had three rushing touchdowns on North Carolina. Now, that's not super you know, confusing. Right, because North Carolina gives up points to basically everybody. However, uh, this was this was shocking in that Georgia Tech was able to slow down North Carolina's offense. Um, Drake May was just completely shut down in the second half. It, it was it was not even close. Let's see, move it over to the second half. There, there you go. All right. So it, North Carolina was up seventeen to nothing in the second quarter. I mean, they hit them right out of the gates which is exactly what you would expect. They turned the ball over on downs. Um, they had to punt twice en route to a 17-7 halftime lead. In the second half, this is the UNC drive chart, okay? Negative two yards, punt. Negative two yards, punt. 
43 yards, and they threw an interception. One yard, punt, 12 plays, 58 yards, turnover on downs, thanks to a Josh Downs drop in the end zone. Brent Key was fired up for this game. Like, it, the, the Georgia Tech offense found a way to move the ball, even though they were down to their third and fourth string quarterbacks. This was, this was awesome. Like, I was, I, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. So, I, I think, um, I mean, North Carolina is still, they're still going to the ACC title game. I don't think they ever really had a shot at the playoff. Uh, Scotty jumps in, and North Carolina thought they could just show up and win. Yeah, uh, here's the deal. Like, Georgia Tech is out here interviewing candidates for the head coaching job, and Brent Key just continues to win. Now, they obviously, he doesn't win every week, but, like, the fact that this Georgia Tech team is sitting at 5-6, and six, and they still have a chance to go bowling, which they... They're not going to beat Georgia next week, but regardless, uh, they they still have a shot here. And this team was awful at the beginning of the season. Like since Brent Key has taken over, they have won four ball games. Like they, their schedule. Let's look at the schedule that they've got. Uh, they have won. Let's see. So uh, Collins was fired after the UCF game. So he wins Pitt. He wins Duke. Which both of those bowling. Uh, you know. Uh, they lose to Virginia, lose to Florida State, lose to Virginia Tech. No, no, sorry, beat Virginia Tech. Lose to Miami after uh, the quarterback goes out and then finds a way to come back and win in Chapel Hill. Now, of course, you got to go to Athens this week, but regardless, they, that takes nothing away from what this bunch has done, what they have actually been able to put together. I've been highly impressed with Georgia Tech. All right, moving right along, moving right along. Right down the times, yeah. All right, Navy, 17, Central Florida, 14, or UCF. I don't want to offend any of the uh, the Knights fans. Not the Golden Knights. I have been corrected on that. Regardless, let's pull up on the screen exactly what we're looking at as far as team stats, and you will find something incredibly impressive from the Navy side of this, and that is that they were able to hold UCF. Da, 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 da. I can't get it to pull up past the thing. They, they held UCF to 84 yards rushing in this. And if this ain't the most gust thing that has ever been gussed by Gus, I don't know what is. Like, it, they got UCF to turn the ball over two times, one of which resulted in a, a short field goal that led to uh, the deciding field goal for Navy. Uh, both Plumlee and Keene played in this one, so, I mean, they were kind of going back and forth here. Uh, it cost UCF at least home field in the AAC championship game, and it might have cost them a shot at the a uh, AAC title. Like, this was, for them, like, Navy had zero passing yards. Uh, Scotty jumps in. I think this is the type of game that Gus got fired for from Auburn. Uh, yes, that's 100% what this is. Like, UCF now has three losses on the season. They were ranked in the top 20 this week. This is, here, let's go on and pull up their schedule because you'll see how ridiculous this is. They lost at home to Louisville. And yet they, they beat Georgia Tech a couple weeks later. Of course, that ended uh, Collins' career there. Uh, but they, they whip SMU. They destroyed this Temple team that's actually found a little bit of life here lately, uh, the Cincinnati game notwithstanding. They lose to East Carolina by three touchdowns on the road. And that's because of four turnovers, et cetera. 
they beat Cincinnati at home. They win at Memphis. They win at Tulane. And then they come back and lose to Navy. And this is not a good Navy team. This is not the kind of Navy team that you're used to seeing. So the fact that they are losing this game at home with a chance to go to the AAC title game, because they really could have wrapped this thing up with this game. But they lose it at home. It's an early game. And, and nobody likes to really play service academies, uh, I, would, I would imagine, from what I've been told anyway, uh, because they make you work for it. <laughs> they make you work. That's the bottom line. Uh, so you look at what ended up going on in this game, uh, just play-by-play. Play. Uh, let's see. Let's see what happens here. All right, so, so Navy scored on their first drive, and that immediately puts UCF behind the eight ball. Uh, Navy is up 14-6 to six at halftime. UCF comes out and scores, gets two-point conversion, ties this thing up, and they fumble on their second drive of the second half and give up a field goal to end the game. You had punt, 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 turnover on downs after a 37-yard drive, and then Navy ran out the clock when they got the ball back with five minutes and 54 seconds. That UCF defense could not get a stop. It was mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. Cheers to Navy because, again, they had zero passing yards, and UCF could not stop them at the end of the game. That is, that's called the other team, UCF, being tired. They got whipped at the end of this game. Um, I mean, they, 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 ran, they ran all the clock down. They ran it all out and found a way to get a W. Cheers to them. Cheers to them. Let's, uh, let's talk about another cheers right quick. And because we've only got a few more games that we got to hit, and we'll go through these fairly quickly. Vanderbilt, 31, Florida, 24. I was wrong. On the show last week, I said, look, Vandy came out and got that win against Kentucky. No, it wasn't a fluke, but I think that Florida has found their stride. They are whipping people at the line of scrimmage, which they did against South Carolina, which, again, nothing in this sport makes logical sense right now. This is insane. The, the whole thing is bonkers. Because how can South Carolina go to Florida and get beat by 40, and then Florida turns around and goes and loses at Vanderbilt, while South Carolina turns around and goes home and beats the number five team in the country by 30? Like, it, nothing makes sense. Regardless, we're going to talk about this. Because at Vanderbilt, while they did have some uh, some things go their way, there were other things that went Florida's way, and Florida did not capitalize while Vanderbilt did. And that's that's the difference in this ballgame. Uh, it was not a fluke. Anthony Richardson passed for 400 yards. But here's what ended up happening. Florida ran the ball 21 times for only 45 yards. That's the Vanderbilt defense. Like that, The Vanderbilt defense held them to 45 yards rushing. And that's with Anthony Richardson and a pretty good offensive line. And I was, I was shook. As my wife would say, I was shooketh. This made no sense. No sense. Ran about 21 times, 45 yards. I just, unbelievable. Anthony Richardson, four carries, 25 yards. They, yes, they were able to get yards through the air. Uh, but a lot of that, you know, was because they were down 14 to six at the half. Uh, so they had to throw the ball coming out. Regardless, uh, Vandy's offensive line was great. Ray Davis for Vanderbilt ran the ball 30 times for 122 yards. Mike Wright threw three touchdowns in this game. Vandy capitalized on the Florida turnovers, and Florida did not capitalize on Vandy's. 
Bottom bottom line. Uh, Scotty jumps in. Florida totally beat themselves. Stupid penalties and turnovers. Uh, you're not you're not incorrect there, but at the same time, Vanderbilt took advantage. Like this, so Florida had seven uh, penalties for 80 yards. Vandy had four for 35. Both teams had two turnovers. Like this was not crazy one sided. This was not a four turnover game while the other team didn't have any. Like there were chances for Florida. Um, Clark Lee and what that staff has built is incredibly impressive. And Vanderbilt is now five and six. Two straight SEC wins. They get Tennessee in Nashville next week. We'll see what the fan base looks like next week, but this is something to maybe pay attention to considering that Hendon Hooker might be out next week. Keep an eye on Vanderbilt because these guys are, they're having fun. They are tough. They have obviously been developed through the season. Um, I am beyond impressed with the job that Clark Lee is doing. This this was awesome. This was great to see. Uh, Billy Napier now 6-5 and five in his first season at Florida. Uh, but he did a good job of, like, tampering expectations for his first season. And the same way that Clark Lee did. You know, he said, we're building something here. I think he, he famously said, uh, like, we're going to have the best football program in the country here. <laughs> but, uh, let's, let's not get carried away. But regardless, uh, yeah, a, a, a good, a lot of fun to pick at that one. A lot of fun for that one. All right, on the other side, we have got to hit Floyd of Rosedale along with Boise State and Wyoming that handled the Mountain West Mountain Division. And we got Arkansas, Ole Miss, and a little more uh, rapid-fire recap. But first, let's do this. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures. And you can follow Gary at Gary WCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show too. Subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now, back to the show. All right. Iowa heads to Minnesota and gets the W. 13 to 10. The Hawkeyes get the win here. Um, Iowa was outgained by 119 yards and still won this ballgame, which is, it is the quintessential Kirk Ferentz game where you get outgained by over 100 yards and you still find a way to win, right? Like, <laughs> this was just mind-blowing uh, watching this game. First off, it was a lot of fun to watch this game, right? Because it's it's not the, this was not anything close to what South Carolina and Tennessee were putting on the field. It was not anything close to what USC and UCLA put on the field. This was gritty, dirty. It was cold. Like, it, it was, this was fun. This was fun, is what it was. Um, Spencer Petrus was pretty good. 15 out of 24 passing here, uh, 221 yards. They could not run the ball at all here, which, you know, not, not super surprising that they couldn't run the ball. Um, you look at the team stats. 59 rushing yards on 28 attempts. That ain't great. That ain't great. 
Uh, the defense got stops and turnovers whenever they needed them, and uh, and that's exactly the Ferentz way, right? Minnesota missed a field goal. Mo Ibrahim fumbled on the Iowa 9. Uh, Kaliak Manis, I had this game on mute, so I didn't get to hear how you actually pronounce his name. He's the backup for, uh, for Morgan, of course. Um, he came out, he was intercepted with two minutes left at the Iowa 33, and Iowa actually was able to drive 42 yards to kick a game-winning field goal. Like, how this, how this Iowa team wins games is beyond me. I have no words to figure out exactly how this team is capable of putting up enough points week in and week out to actually win ball games. Um, and yet they do it over and over and over again. It, it is still, to this day, uh, not... <laughs> Scotty, of course, appreciate it. Tosses in Super Chat. I appreciate that. Uh, it is beyond me how Phil Parker does not get more respect and more love from everybody around this sport because what he does, and of course the special teams as well here, this offense had 280 yards of offense. Minnesota, 399 yards of total offense. And in all of it, all of it for Minnesota was Ibrahim. Uh, 39 carries for 263 yards rushing, and he had a touchdown. If you put up 263 yards rushing against this Iowa defense, you have put in a day. You might have put in a week's worth of work in one game. That that was insane to watch him be able to struggle and get out some of those yards. So lots of uh, lots of fun on this one. But Iowa able to get it done again. And now we are set up to where if Iowa wins against Nebraska this week, they are 8-4, and four, and they are back in the Big Ten title game, and I don't understand any of it. I get, I don't understand any of it. So, oh, it is what it is. Let's talk about the Mountain West real quick. Boise, 20, Wyoming, 17. What a, what a close, close spot for Craig Bowl and Bunch. Uh, I really thought that they were going to be able to pull this thing out. And, and alas... We were not. That's not what I wanted to do. I, I don't. I clicked on something for Aaron Judge. I don't even know what. There, team stats. Pull it up on the screen. All right. So, the Broncos go on the road, um, and they did not look good in the first half. I will say that uh, Wyoming was strong in the first half, and in the second, Titus Wynn had an 83-yard touchdown run with 42 seconds left in the third quarter. Which, by the way, I had. Yeah, Scotty jumps in. I took your advice on Wyoming plus 14. I had multiple bets here because this thing was at 12 and a half, and then everybody realized that Andrew Peasley was not going to play, and it jumped out to like 14. Still took it at 14. Uh, at one point, it hit 14 and a half. It was immediately bought back down, but I hit it while it was at 14 and a half. So I had multiple bets on Wyoming on this one to be able to cover the 14, and I had just a sprinkle on the money line because I thought they might be able to shock them. But... Uh, so I missed out on that one, but it still paid out well for all the other bets that I had on plus 12.5, plus 14, plus 14.5. Um, the Pokes got out to a 17-13 to 13 lead uh, late in that third quarter. They had a ton of momentum going into the fourth. Talon Green led the Broncos on an 11-play, 78-yard, 6-minute touchdown drive to take a 20-17 to 17 lead with 7 minutes and 20 seconds left. Now, Wyoming did have three more chances here, um, but they went three and out on the first one. Uh, they went four plays and threw an interception on the second one. They forced a Boise fumble, and then they threw another interception on the very next play. Like, it, Boise wins the Mountain Division here. Um, 
And but props to Craig Bolt for having his guys prepared. I mean, incredible coaching job, especially with all the injuries. You know, the wide receiver was out. Uh, they had a cornerback out, a defensive tackle. They they lost their quarterback this week. But I, I will tell you, I was highly impressed with Clemens, um, and not not in this game, obviously. But like, I think that he he could really be pretty good. The fact that Wyoming was in this game with Clemens going three of sixteen for thirty yards and three interceptions. It uh, just tells you what kind of game plan they had going here. I mean, 278 yards rushing for Wyoming was awesome. Awesome. Um, and the green kid for Boise State is awesome. Like, he's, I know he's only a freshman, but this dude is like 6'6". Uh, he, can, he can throw it on a rope. Uh, he can run. Like, he, he looks like a, a gazelle running out there. <laughs> it's the craziest thing because how long his legs are. But regardless, he is... Uh, I don't know why I keep saying regardless. I've said that a lot this morning. Either way, how's that? He he found a way to get his team a win, and that was highly impressive considering the circumstances because you don't just go into Laramie and get wins. That's not how this works. Craig Bowl has done a fantastic job there. Uh, again, I was impressed with both teams. Cheers to Boise State for getting the job done. Now, last game that I want to hit, and then maybe we'll do a little bit of rapid fire here. Arkansas 42, Ole Miss 27. That score was not indicative of the beatdown that this game actually was. It's just not even close. Arkansas went up 35-6 to at the half and then scored the next touchdown to go up 42-6 to in this game. And if you weren't paying attention to it, if you didn't have it on one of your screens, then you would have missed out on the fact that, looking at the team stats here, Ole Miss outgained Arkansas by 200 yards. Lane Kiffin's offense put 700 yards on the field. They ran for 463 against Arkansas. They had 12 penalties for 116 yards. They had three turnovers. It Things did not go well. I will say that. Uh, Scotty Thompson, he said the game where Lane decided he was leaving. I don't necessarily know about that. I, I know this. He doesn't like the cold, so the fact that they actually did anything at all was uh, at least impressive to me. But, you know, they came back. They scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Made it at least, you know, respectable. But, man, this was a debacle uh, in that first half. That first half... Uh, let's see. I said uh, Arkansas scored on six of their first eight drives. They led 42-6 to six after the first two plays of the second half. Uh, Ole Miss's first half on offense was this. Fumble, punt, punt, field goal, missed field goal, field goal, interception. It was a complete disaster. Like, who... I want to know who this Arkansas team is, and I want to know who this Ole Miss team is. Um, I just... Uh, not being able to finish drives was a little strange. Although we've seen it kind of pop its head up ever since the LSU game. Um, this Arkansas team, you know, this bunch last week could do nothing on offense. And I understand the KJ Jefferson played in this game. I get that. But, man, it is. The Arkansas defense last week against LSU put on a clinic. And then this week, Ole Miss comes out and puts up 700 yards. Like, wait, again, where is the consistency? In this sport, there is none. Georgia is about it. Like Ohio State, they they consistently just get W's 
in whatever manner they have to, but there's no consistency as far as the way that they play. Like, Ole Miss, yeah, you're, they're going to put up yards. I, I guess the consistency is that they're going to put up yards, and sometimes they score and sometimes they don't. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. But this this was mind-blowing to see the number of yards and the number of points that were put up and by which teams. And so, cheers to Arkansas for getting to bowl eligibility in Sam Pittman's third year. That is two straight bowls for the Pittman era. And uh, and I think Arkansas fans were fan, or, uh, were, fan, uh, were uh, happy about this. Like, they, they seemed very happy. They were chanting Auburn uh, at Lane Kiffin at one point in this game when it got up to 42-6. to six. Uh, they, they were having fun with it. And props to them for doing so. Uh, Scotty jumps in. Got to be a tough life trying to figure out college football. Thank goodness I can just watch. Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing. Like, not every year is like this, but it is certainly it's certainly something. Uh, because this one beats almost anything that I've seen. Last year was a lot of fun, right? And you knew it was going to be a little crazy with, you know, coming out of the COVID year and everything else. This is this another thing what is happening right now. And I I can't wait to see what's going to happen this weekend and championship weekend because we're going to have some crazy, crazy things go down. All right, so let's jump into a little bit of rapid fire right quick as we close out. Da, 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 right down my time. All right, let's, uh, let's start off in the SEC. Was there anything that we missed in the SEC? Uh, Alabama beat Austin P thirty four to nothing. Yeah, you know, it, they Alabama couldn't establish a ground game against Austin P. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was out. That shouldn't matter. Doesn't matter. LSU handled UAB forty one to ten. That was impressive because they they didn't really have anything to play for on that, and they they found a way to get it done. Uh, Mississippi State fifty six to seven over East Tennessee State. Texas A and M twenty to three over UMass, and there was nobody, nobody at that game. Like, that was mind-blowing how few people were actually there. Uh, I mean, cheers to A&M for getting it done, but the fact that A&M was favored by... I, I looked at that game, and I actually thought about UMass plus 34 because A&M has not scored 30 points on anybody. Like, they scored 31 on Sam Houston State. <coughs> I don't believe that uh, they were ever going to put 34 on a Don Brown defense. So, <laughs> regardless who the players are on the other side. Uh, Auburn beat Western Kentucky... 41 to 17, and Missouri beat New Mexico State uh, 45 to 14. Let's uh, let's look at the Big Ten and see if there was anything that we missed. Obviously, there is. Um, we talked about Ohio State. We talked Michigan. Uh, Penn State just put it on Rutgers in Piscataway, 55 to 10. Uh, yeah, and so uh, Scotty jumps in. No mention of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I'm going to hit that when we get to the Big 12 here. Uh, Wisconsin 15 to 14 over Nebraska. That was impressive. Uh, for a comeback for Wisconsin. They were down 14-3 to in this game, and I thought it was the end of the Jim Leonard era uh, in, in his little interim time there because you can't lose to this Nebraska team. But I'll tell you this, uh, it's not like they exactly did it impressively. Uh, just just not a great ball game. Purdue just eked by Northwestern 17-9. to Um yeah, Purdue actually is in the title race. If Iowa loses to Nebraska next week, then Purdue uh, is set up to be able to go to the Big Ten West. Or, uh, excuse me, to the Big Ten title game. Michigan State losing to Indiana in a game where they could have clinched bowl eligibility, 
is one of the more shocking things that I have seen. They were up 24 to 7 at the half. Got outscored 17 to 7 in the third quarter and then Indiana was able to score and send this thing to overtime. I I got I got nothing. I just uh, Indiana big plays like Sean Shivers ran for a, a a big play. Uh they returned a kick for a touchdown like it was it was nuts. He <laughs> said I had the under on Michigan State, Indiana. I think it was uh, the only Big Ten game that went over. Yeah, yeah. It's well, I mean, you get to overtime as well. It was just big plays. But man, what is happening at Michigan State is just, yeah. Like this, this was not good. This was not good. Uh, let's see. Let's talk ACC. Uh, Clemson, of course, at forty to ten over Miami. That was never even a ball game. Uh, it was twenty-four to nothing at the half. So, wasn't wasn't a lot to pay attention to there. Uh, Notre Dame up on Boston College uh, handled that one 44 to nothing. Uh, Florida State 49 to 17 over Louisiana. Florida State now at eight and three. And man, uh, you want to talk about something entertaining? All, all the people that uh, are kind of backtracking and, and talking about how good Mike Norvell is now and everything. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Louisville 25 to 10 over NC State. Uh, NC State was down to their fourth string quarterback, and Malik Cunningham did not play in that game, so that was almost impossible to bet on. Uh, Virginia Tech wins over Liberty, uh, which I I don't understand this sport. Sometimes I, none of it makes sense. Pitt twenty eight to twenty six over Duke. Uh, this one was goofy, and I highly recommend that you go back and rewatch this because there were scooping scores and just. Duke being able to get down and score, I think they converted like a fourth and fourth and eighteen, fourth and sixteen, something like that, uh, just to be able to score a touchdown that got them to where they could go for go for a two point conversion to be able to get the game to overtime. Um, this was a fun ball game. Like I, I really enjoyed watching this one. Wake Forest forty five, Syracuse thirty five. Syracuse actually put up a fight. Sean Tucker was pretty good in this one, um, but At Perry was just a, a little bit. Too much there. Wake Forest finally got back on the right track here. Let's uh let's do the Big Twelve right quick because I know Scotty wants to talk about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Um, Kansas State forty eight to thirty one over West Virginia. That was not surprising. Uh, that first half was insane. I mean, the first quarter was twenty eight to nineteen. Like that's just bananas when you look at it. Um, so Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma came out and put up 28 points in the first quarter. And Oklahoma State tried to get back in this ballgame um, because, it, you know, it was 28 to nothing, but then it was 28 to 3 at the half. And then it was 28 to 10. And then it was 28 to 13. And it got to within striking distance, and Oklahoma State was literally never a threat. There was that, That's the reason why I didn't do, like, a, a single game piece for this. Um and so, how did they not score any points after the first quarter? Well, one, the Oklahoma State defense actually uh, got, like, they, they were able to shut them down pretty well. Uh, the, the bigger question, I think, for you is how were they able to score so much in the first half? And a lot of it had to do, or in the first quarter, um, they had a two-play, four-yard touchdown drive. They had a, but the rest of them were like actual long drives, Right. And the ones where they were actually taking advantage of like turnovers, et cetera, they, they ended up having to punt on those. But it was just drive after drive after drive after drive. And what they ended up doing after that is three and out, three and out, four and out, 
uh, eight plays and an interception. Like, and then in the second half, it's punt, 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 punt. Like, they they didn't have to do anything. So they, they weren't really trying anything, but they punted on every single drive in the second half. And yeah. I mean, they came out guns blazing and then realized very quickly, oh, Oklahoma State cannot score. Like, even against this trash defense. So, yeah, it was uh, it was not, it was an ugly ball game. How's that? It was a very ugly ball game. Uh, speaking of ugly, Texas just demolished Kansas. They were apparently incredibly upset at how the TCU game went, and they took out all of their frustrations on Kansas. They were up, uh, what was it, 31? Yeah, 31 to nothing at the half. Ended up winning 55-14. to 14. This was a beatdown of epic proportions. Texas Tech was able to get a win over Iowa State. Iowa State uh, now not going to a bowl. They are 1-7 in the Big 12. Uh, but they lose another one-possession game, 14-10, to 10, to, of course, the Red Raiders. Whew. The Big 12 is so much fun every single week, man. Every single week. Uh, what else are we looking for? Pac-12. Okay, let's discuss that right quick. While we've got just a couple of minutes, we went through those. Uh, Washington just absolutely demolished Colorado, 54-7. to uh, Should have bet that one. Should have bet that. Washington State handled Arizona, so Arizona is not going to a bowl. Uh, Washington State now has seven wins, and Jake Dickert is doing an incredible coaching job with Washington State. Like, all of the turnover that they've had, all of the changes, and they just find ways to win. This team is really, really good. They go on the road, and they shut down an Arizona team that beat UCLA last week. 31-20, to Washington State gets the W, uh, and now they get to go into the Apple Cup against Washington with a chance to maybe ruin Kalen DeBoer's first season at Washington. So we'll see what happens there. And that would put Washington State at eight wins. Just crazy. Uh, the game, of course, Cal and Stanford, 27-20. to Cal gets the win there, and Stanford... Still the only FBS team that they have beaten in the last two seasons, I believe, is Notre Dame on the road. <laughs> it's just, just mind-blowing. Unbelievable. Um, all right, I've got to get out of here. You guys are fantastic. If you got any more questions, you can always hit me up on Twitter, at GaryWCE. I certainly appreciate everybody being here this morning. This was a fun one. Next week, of course, is championship week. Uh, Scotty jumps in. Do you expect any players who aren't going to a bowl game to sit out next week? I don't believe that they will sit out the regular season. But I'm going to be doing my research this afternoon. So we will we will certainly be talking about it on the Tuesday BetUS show uh, if I get any confirmation, etc. I will be reaching out to people. We will We will figure this out. We will figure this out. All right, go to Valtimary Surf Company. It's ValtimarySurfCo.com. Use the promo code Gary10 to get 10% off your order. And, of course, make sure that you are signed up at BetUS if you have not already done so. Click the link that is in the description or will be in the description or whatever. I will put it in there as soon as we get done with the show. But, uh, but you can sign up. You can get a $50 free play without actually having to deposit anything. So go and take care of that. Take advantage of the situation here. Ah, I host the BetUS College Football Show every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure that you are subscribed over there. And, of course, if you haven't already subscribed here at Winning Cures Everything, make sure that you do that and make sure that you are subscribed on the podcast as well. Uh, whichever one it may be, Apple, Spotify, etc. Whoever it is, just leave a nice five-star review. That helps us out quite a bit algorithmically. 
Of course, I like to sound smart, so I use those big words from time to time. All right, let's get out of here. You guys are fantastic. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.